the final word in the story of Skywalker. Welcome back to Who's Filmography Is It Anyway, folks, where the points are just like the ending of an iconic franchise. Um, here we uh, tackle the, unfortunately, we sorry, today we're going to tackle the unfortunate ending of the, what is being deemed, what has been deemed as the Skywalker saga, but it also the end of our um, uh, chronological run of the Star Wars show. It is the rise of Skywalker. I am so sorry in advance. Um, as always, I'm your co-host and friend, Josh Page. And with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Steve Molina. My boy, I made Steven. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I thought about many a line that I could use for just like my opening. Like, long have I waited. I, I oh. just... Here we are, guys. Oh, we we uh... made it. We made it to the end. Yeah, we somehow made it. This is... Listen, I, I, I'm going to try and be fair. I think that because of my love for the franchise and because I don't want to be torn to shreds on the interwebs, I'm going to try and be fair. But even at my fairest, I am not a fan of this movie. So That's why we said all well, apologies in advance. You know, it's nothing personal. It's, just, it's not personal. It's just business. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> let me i just wanted to remember was this your second time watching this movie third time watching this movie what? second second yeah okay. i don't yeah. know what was it for you third fourth uh i yeah <coughs> this was my fourth time um I so let's it. yeah keep going i i went i did what i normally did for the disney era star wars movies i went to a 10 o'clock screening um the night it came out like that thursday and I remember after that just being so viscerally angry, but I was like, you know what? Let me sleep on it. Sometimes when you don't know what a movie is and you like are putting too much of like your own feelings onto it the first time, you're just like, I don't know what to expect. This isn't what I really thought it was going to be. Once all that goes away, maybe it will be better. So uh, I, yeah, I did what I normally do. I got up really early so that I can go to see it a second time uh, before I went to work at uh, three o'clock. And then I remember seeing it the second time and I just like, I was just defeated at that point. <laughs> just wanna, I want to segue, I'll segue this into my, when, when I first saw it, but basically it's funny you bring up that point about not being so unsure of what you just watched that you almost like have to watch it again. And I think part of where the inevitable negativity will come from this movie is part of what you said earlier is being a fan. I can imagine even the most casual Star Wars fan is like, oh, this is dog shit. Or even, or on the opposite end of the spectrum, a casual fan being like, oh, this is fine. Like, this is whatever. But like, 
for a fan, like it feels so personal. That's part of part of what this movie. It almost feels like an an, an assault. Like it feels like, like it's just. It feels so. I don't know. So like the the feelings are so strong. So it's funny you mentioned like that notion of, oh, I'm not sure what this is. Let me. But you made it a tradition to watch Star Wars movies again. But like I've been in that stage where like I've seen movies in the theater. I'm like, like um, Sam Raimi's Spider Man Three. If not, it's an example. I saw it, saw it in the theater. We were, I was in high school. You know, it was a different different era. It was a whole different time. But I remember seeing it with a group of friends, and we were like, "Yeah, Spider Man 3, And we all went, and like it ended, and we were like, "That can't be the movie we just watched." So me and my oldest friend, we went back the next day to watch it again, just to be sure. And like you, like with with Rise of Skywalker, it's like, "Oh, okay, this is what we thought it was." <laughs> this, is, yeah, we watched exactly the movie we thought we did. Oh boy! But I remember what I was gonna say is I remember getting my my oldest friend who we had seen all this the Disney era Star Wars films together. He's like, I'm getting his tickets for Rise of Skywalker. I was like, All right, cool. I'll leave work early on a a Friday. We ended up going like a Friday, but I remember very specifically that you had seen it before me, and I remember we were talking over. I had left uh, Postworks at the time, so I remember you. We were texting, and you were. Um, and you being, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see the movie. And like, I remember, you, I don't remember what you said, but give me very vague answers. You're like, I was like, is, and the earlier reviews were like bad. And I'm like, so is it, is it bad? Is it whatever? And it's like, kind of just like, just let me know when you, well, you know, just let I me know what's what I say. I think that's what I texted you. Just like, <laughs> just, you let me know when you, but just, even that for me is a tell because sometimes was, I'm, I'm the kind of person who, if I really love something, I'm like texting someone immediately, like, you got to go see this. The fact, there's Josh just, had to, the fact that Josh had to text me and all I could say is, just, let me know when you see it. Just let me know when you see it. And I remember like going in and I, came out with so many feelings and I remember I was in the parking lot of the movie theater and I, and I texted you I was like I saw it and you sent me back the long have I awaited and I just remember I don't obviously don't have it but it was the, I spilled out this paragraph about what later became a very angry letterbox review of just like this was the most outrageous thing I think I've ever seen in my life um, and so I think it's a very special occasion because I've never felt quite this way this is how i imagine prequel <laughs> like fans of the original trilogy felt after they saw uh, Phantom Phantom Menace. Menace or Attack <laughs> of the clones because let's not forget though you and i love the prequels the hardcore original fans did not so this is how i imagine they felt well we were also kids when phantom menace came out you know what i mean like yeah. imagine being in your 20s or 30s or whatever and you're like a diehard fan of what you thought star wars was and then you watch phantom menace Binks. you know what i mean like i can imagine to a grown adult who thinks they know what star wars is in their mind watching that and being like oh never mind like yeah. i don't know what it is i even loved about star wars in the first place and that's part of how i feel about this <laughs> let's uh we'll, we'll talk final thoughts later um we always do <laughs> we're, we're jumping ahead here we're, we're just Again, I'm going to try and be fair. I'm going to try. I know our best. that we've told our share, but you know what it is with this? This podcast right now for me is I'm going to be fair, but I'm not going to, I'm going to dissect each moment and tell you this is why I do not care for it. And you will have my reasoning for why I just don't think that this is an overall good film, not just even Star Wars movie. It's just not a good movie in general because it's not a movie. 
Um, anyway, let's jump into pre-production and production, <laughs> all that stuff. So J.J. Abrams was not originally the director of this movie. Originally, it was Colin Trevorrow of Jurassic World and Book of Henry fame. Because <laughs> everyone really? loves Book of Henry. What? Yeah, it's all good. No, I was going to say we're batting, batting a thousand here. Um, yeah. Although I have not seen Book of Henry, but I know that some folks don't hate it as much as others. I, I actually liked it more than yeah. most people. But That's fine. And, and just live and just own it. Well, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest movie I've ever seen, but oh. it was better than the critics made it out to be. Listen, while on that quick note, I saw Jurassic World three times in theaters because it took me, like Rise of Skywalker, it took me multiple viewings to go, oh, wait, this, this is, is dog, dog shit. shit. <laughs> no, I knew from the beginning. I saw that movie once and I'm like, oh right so this I'm is a, where jurassic park is going i'm a huge jurassic park fan so i got that moment like 15 20 minutes in and i'm like something just feels very cheap and very off and then it just kind of went down and i was super in denial because i was like oh week, it's yeah you know how last week you said like rise uh sorry, the last jedi was like your cutoff for mm-hmm. star wars for me with jurassic park it's just like the one movie and i'm done like there's no there are are no sequels to Jurassic Park and that's really the problem with the franchise it's not a franchise it was a single movie that you made a franchise a hundred percent it was it should never should have been more than that no it's the same thing with like Matrix like there's only one Matrix movie I mean I like the Matrix sequels but we'll do that for another episode (laughs) uh anyway um where was I? Let's get into it. Colin Trevorrow was hired as the director before The Last Jedi came out. Uh, Ken- Kathleen Kennedy knew him from the Jurassic World thing because she was a producer. She is a producer on the Jurassic World movies because um, she was a Jurassic Park producer. Uh, the plan was for episode nine, The Duel of Fates, which pretty epic title. Come on, guys. Like, Come on. That's like... I love it pretty sick title um we don't need to go into all the details but it was a completely different spin on this final movie uh the heroes were going to be more apart uh from what i understand ray was going to be training with force ghost luke and maybe yoda and at the same time, Luke was going to be like haunting Kylo Ren as he was like on his mission to consolidate more <laughs> dark side power. Uh, but he was still the uh, supreme leader. I don't know. Anyway, there was I more mean, to it. We can go into this towards final thoughts, but basic. But I know with that Colin Trevorrow's leaked, not the script, but at least the like the leaked ideas or like the blueprints for the script were, were I guess leaked on the internet. Um, and I guess that's where all those ideas came from that you're saying, because I know that all ended up on the cutting room floor and all ended up scrapped or. Yeah. Uh, he was fired in September of 2017 <clears throat> due to creative differences. Uh, apparently him and Kathleen Kennedy could not see a shared vision. The only remnant left of his entire project is actually a concept design of Kylo's ship. They built the ship and it now sits outside of the ride at Galaxy's Edge in Orlando, Florida, which Ah, is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Colin Trevorrow was fired and JJ was brought back on. 
yet, but you know, Trevorrow's doing the next Jurassic Park movie, so he's doing fine, just fine. He's doing <laughs> better than some of the other people that got fucked by Star Wars. Um, yeah, like Gareth Edwards, where's he been? Where's that guy been? I don't think he has made a movie since. I think he disappeared. Yeah, he literally vanished. Took his money and he ran. Yeah, like, like the gambler. <clears throat> uh. So JJ was brought back with Chris Terrio as a writer. Uh, apparently, JJ, when he was hired, because again, Trevorrow wasn't fired until September of 2017, and they had to like beg JJ to come back. So I don't think JJ was announced until like November of 2017, maybe October of 2017. The movie comes out December of 2019. JJ like begs and pleads for more time and Bob Iger is like no nope no nope, absolutely nope, not nope. Star Wars has to be brought back after Solo and uh after Solo like they need to recoup their money uh so Kennedy also put some stipulations on this movie it was her insistence that kylo ren have a redemptive arc so we cannot pin any of that on jj abrams although we can pin the landing on him but that's completely whatever uh filming began in august uh august 1st of 2018 in pinewood they also filmed in jordan because again like the movie comes out in December of 2019, I don't think people realized just like how hard putting together one of these movies is. It's like a two-year, like two process. to three-year process to get the visual effects and get everything to look so good. So they were so crunched for time that JJ and his team literally edited on the set. They were doing daily editing on the set, like throwing the LUT on and like kind of cropping it together just like in the moment to make sure that they're getting like what they're looking for. Right. It's really a lot. I mean, despite what anyone wants to say about the final result of the movie, it's still impressive that they were able to pump it out at the rate they did. Yeah. I mean, what's more interesting to me is that um how much time has changed even within like a very very small window of time because right now the mandalorian and the star wars shows have completely changed the way in which star wars is filmed forever right because now they don't even have to go to location could you imagine like like jj must be so pissed because like if he had waited a whole if he had gotten the time he wished he wanted he could have waited one year and he could have filmed on that giant like green have you seen what they shoot the mandalorian on yeah it's pretty it's awesome yeah it's like this giant screen behind the actors so like it puts them in the seat in the set without actually like having to move uh to on location it's pretty it's pretty crazy um we talked last week how carrie fisher unfortunately died uh it JJ said that he was not going to bring her back as CG as a CG character, which everyone gave him praise for. Um, but he did say he was going to bring her back with footage that they shot for episode seven. Um, 
yeah, we'll we'll get into it later. Yeah, the uh, to the to the top note here is that un, in IMDb for this movie is that unused footage of Fisher was shot for unused footage of Fisher shot for the Force Awakens was incorporated by digitally removing the background and superimposing it elsewhere. Visual effects were used to change her wardrobe and add gray to her hair so the footage would match her appearance in the Last Jedi. And I guess it's interesting to watch because you can like some scenes it kind of works and then some scenes you're like oh it's they they're clearly like rewriting the plot around some of these scenes yeah we can have this conversation now let's just get it over with it didn't work for me at all Uh, no every time they it felt very forced in everything i'm not I want to be very clear. I'm not blaming JJ for this one, nor am I blaming Lucasfilm for this one. This was like a very like precarious situation. Carrie Fisher's death is like unfathomable to this day. So like they were left with very bad options. Either you kill her off screen or you do this or you could do CGI, but they already ruled that out like immediately. So it, it, I don't know what I would have done if I were to say, I'll be honest. <clears throat> yeah, it's strange because it's a giant elephant in the room. It's a, it's a major character that they had to wrap up in some way. Yeah, and originally when these movies were brought to the original three, it was basically broken down. Episode seven would be for Han, episode eight would be for Luke, and episode nine would be for Leia. Right. And the main of the big three was just taken out of our world not just theirs right so i mean for, um, yeah. yeah for what they had to work with like i said like some of it is like like the, like the training scenes between like um ray and 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 leia it's like i'm invested in the moment but overall i'm like i don't need to see this this isn't doing anything for me if it, it it feels out of place um it just feels like even if you <clears throat> didn't know she was gone it would feel jarring. It doesn't feel like a conversation. It feels like they're cutting around it. Like they wrote around. That's what I was saying before. It's like, it's like, they're kind of like, we're like, okay, we had this good long take with these two actors. Let's just like rework the plot so we can fit this scene in. Yeah. Like there's that sequence where Ray is training and she's like, don't tell me what it feels like. Tell me what it is. And that like, it, it just felt like the line before and after were like met were written solely to just, to match to, whatever to, yeah, to put Carrie in there. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Palpatine coming back. This is all I really have. I don't have a lot of pre-production. I figured or post-production. I figured we would um want to focus more on the movie. Uh, for Palpatine, JJ and Terrio thought it would be poetic to bring him back. Uh, they thought back to the Darth Plagueis story, which according to JJ was his favorite sequence in the entire prequel saga, Uh, which, you know, that's a lot of people's favorite scene. I'm not going to knock him for that. That's like one of my favorite scenes from the prequels too. Um, But it also, um, never mind, finish your note first and I'll say what I got to say. No, but I was just going to say that that was the launching pad that JJ and Terrio used to, you know, even breach the idea of Palpatine coming back, but go on. I was going to say, by bringing Palpatine back at all, which we're not going to go into this whole thing now, we could save that for yeah, after. We'll save that for but the, it undermines the, the, the Plagueis conversation because that's a conversation two characters are having about some kind of 
not a, like a phantom menace, if you will, but it's, it's, it's two characters having a very like cryptic converse, conversation about this other character. Like it's almost like a, a legend. It's almost like an urban legend. So anyway, so to like actually see a character like that play out in real time and like to bring them back, it sounds like a much cooler idea than it actually plays out, I think. But again, then again, it's like that cool of an idea for me. But hey, <clears throat> what do I know? Um, Ian said, Ian McDermott said, quote, it was very unexpected. <laughs> he, uh, he was like, I felt, you know, they have to do these interviews. I was, I felt like I got lucky a third time. So like he was, I guess, excited to come back and why not? But yeah, you can't blame him. You know? I'm not blaming him either. He's definitely like having the time of his life on the set. You could tell. He's okay. chewing up. Once again, he's chewing up the scene. He's chewing up whatever he can. Um, I, the note here, and I remember when this happened, is that McDermott made a surprise appearance after the trailer was shown at the Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Uh, they rolled the trailer, and then afterwards, um, they showed McDermott on stage, and he merely said the three words, roll it again, followed by the cheers, uh, you know, mic drop, uh, JJ was thrilled at the news that Palpatine had not been leaked before that moment. Um, so obviously this had been something they were building towards, but anyway, like I said, we'll, we'll rant I mean, all about that later. If you remember that trailer ended with Palpatine laughing yeah, or, you know, doing his like cackle. Um, <clears throat> and it was in that moment I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> well, that's why I remember again, like I, I remember watching that and you were the first person I texted. I'm like, hey, so I just watched the trailer and you're like, yeah. She's like, I don't know. I, I I got a bad feeling about this one. Because <laughs> I remember that the doubts were right then and there. It's like, okay, are we really going to go back down this road? Because one, on the one hand, I'm excited that he's coming back. On the other hand, I'm like, this can't, this can't, I, I don't know, this could cause so many problems. Yeah, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I have a good perception of like reading trailers i can read what will be a good movie and what will not be a bit uh, what will not be a good movie and when i heard palpatine cackling i was just like oh no oh, <laughs> the writing is on the wall this is not good <laughs> uh so then are you ready to get into the plot uh yeah let's it's good. there's a lot so let the ritual begin <laughs> Whatever he, isn't that what he says? He says something. Uh, I think so. Yeah, my God. My iPad. Strike me down. Oh boy, we'll get into it all. I would love to just see a uh, uh, like a David Zuckerman style spoof of this. Like, strike me down. It's like, really? Is that all you have? Like, for as a character to just be like, I mean, come on. Is this really? How many times are you gonna ask someone to strike you down? Clearly, no one wants to. All right, yeah. stop asking. Stop being desperate. Yeah, yeah, a long sure. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the dead speak. This is when I knew the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. Just real quick, I think of all 
the um, how do you put it? Crawls. All the opening crawls. This is certainly the most jarring because it opens with the dead speak. And a note that I will keep bringing up, like again and again throughout, is that like this movie feels like they tacked on decisions after the fact, which affect it from feeling like an or like organic storytelling. And the dead speak, I'll never forget because like I knew Pal Pal um, Palpatine was coming back, and we'll we'll touch on a little more obviously in just a moment. But I just remember seeing that, and I remember like in the theater just like having like a furrowed brow kind of moment i'm like um From okay literally 10 sec 10 seconds into this movie you're just like oh palpatine um, is like back like there's no explanation it's just like oh okay cool I, I guess he's alive cool and and part of i'll i'll, I'll continue this in a, in a moment i'll read this bit first and then <laughs> and i'll just continue what i'm saying um after massacring the people of mustafar which isn't Mustafar. Uh, that is where his grandfather has a castle, which is a... another, listen. <laughs> I'm, I don't mean to nitpick this movie, but the problem with this movie is it feels like it just does not pay attention to the minutia or detail of Star Wars in general. And part of the problem is, okay, you want Kylo Ren to go to Mustafar? I love the idea of that. It's a phenomenal but, idea. It's a phenomenal idea. Colin Trevorrow was going to do that. But if you're going to have him go to Mustafar, go to his fucking grandfather's castle. Like, you have built up... <clears throat> JJ loved the idea that Kylo revered his grandfather. And you're telling me this, this kid who reveres Darth Vader isn't going to his grandfather's castle like but that's part of the problem with this whole movie is that it's just again like really well for for pacing purposes like last week we'll just try and just keep it moving but basically like the ideas here you can see are like you can see snippets like oh this is this is a good idea like this is a this is something that works and then you watch it and you're like oh all of a sudden we're in the next scene and that idea is gone before it could even have room to breathe yeah not only that but like like i was saying before it just doesn't pay attention to star wars history like you the line you're about to read is he wants to find a wayfinder like that's what they're naming it a wayfinder real original i haven't heard anything that original since avatar had unobtainium um but in star wars lore you already have holocrons why the fuck do you need to relabel a holocron as a wayfinder again i know it's nitpicky but it's like holocrons are so well established for sto for super star wars sweaties and like you're telling me jj like <laughs> you're directing this movie and you don't know what that is to, to tease final discussion as always is they're taking so much good mythology and they're kind of just dismissing dismissing it entirely they're kind of just going they're like hey good stuff <clears throat> and dismissing it blatantly because they kind of just want to throw it at the audience and say like look at this we we use this Right. And they're almost like, it's almost like a way for them to crunch the plot tighter so that fans who aren't into the sweaty nerd lore can be like, oh, I can follow this. This is a wayfinder. It's clearly a, an artifact that helps them find the way. <laughs> 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 so I'll just keep that going real quick while we're on that note. The people, <laughs> after massacring the people of Mustafar, Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, finds the wayfinder of AKA a beacon that helps a force you navigate through the unknown regions to locate the Sith world of Exegol. Um, it feels a little like, um, I remember reading a very early review that's like, this movie feels um, 
it feels like a fetch quest. It feels like a video game. It's constantly one mission after another of like, got you know, you got to go to point A and find this thing, which leads you to point B to find this other thing. And this movie just does that for a long period of its runtime. It's just characters running around, finding artifacts. And that's part of what keeps it entertaining. But all of a sudden you realize like an hour in, you're like, it's really nothing happening. But this is literally the opening scene of the movie. Yeah, and you're just thrown into it. And another thing, again, I don't, like star wars <laughs> mythology it's like why do you have exegol you already have moribund or uh what's it called uh malachor two sith worlds that are in the star wars canon as like quote unquote like a, the first sith worlds so like why is he there and no, I, I, whatever Keep in, in in the dark laboratory emperor palpatine ian mcdermott invades kylo's mind my boy, I made smoke. I have been every voice you have ever heard inside your head. Uh, the Emperor, or what is left of him, is revealed, promising Kylo, quote unquote, everything. Yeah, with a lift that line was like pretty crazy. What, what can with you a, give me? With, yeah. Everything. Uh, yeah, with the lift of the hand, the final order fleet rises. Now, I just want to make a quick note about this, is that in terms of anticipation and surprises and twists or whatever you want to do, I think one of, the whole movie's a mess, but I think one of the biggest problems that I had, and again, like with the Dead Speak Crawl, like this is the opening scene and you've already dealt your hand. You've, you know Palpatine's coming back and you've already just shown him and he's just chilling and like, there's no real explanation. Where in my mind, if they had even kept this storyline and done it like in the middle of the movie and they had built it to like, and I understand the whole plot around this movie is revolves around, oh, the emperor's back, yada, yada, yada. And that's why it feels so tacked on. It doesn't even feel like, it feels, it feels like they just, it was a last minute plot decision but like in my mind i'm imagining like a two towers style flashback of the emperor falling down the pit and it's his point of view and you know you see that whatever the 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 death star blow up and somehow he survives and there's this like weird like inkling where it's like he's like a a tormented soul and he's like just dying and then maybe he's you know what i mean like yeah i'm just imagining a more theatrical like version of this but it's well, nothing the canon behind it is that you know palpatine managed his soul managed to survive and uh, attach itself to a cloned version of himself so this is a clone holding palpatine's body but the problem is it's decaying because of his force ability it's like eating through the clone. That's what's going on here. Even that, but, even if they did exposition of that and showed a scene of that or something, like would have been better than nothing. Yeah. I, what would have been good, again, <laughs> I, I don't mean to say what would have and what would have, because I like judging movies based on what we got. Not what of course. Should have got. But like, even if we got like a five minute prelude, like comparable to like Smeagol becoming Gollum like, <laughs> with Palpatine, that would have been what like I'm, anything. Right. But no, we're just thrown into it. Not only are we thrown into Palpatine being alive, but we're, we're supposed to believe he has this entire fleet of ships that was just like, that somehow metastasized out of nowhere. And they've just been hiding. And, Which and... again, undermines the entire Star Wars franchise that you have been building throughout Rogue One uh, and Rebels. 
and Clone Wars and all of these shows, something that they brilliantly did was kind of grounded and uh, grounded the universe. And one of the things that they love talking about is like the worlds the Empire conquered were depleted for resources because there are only a limited amount of resources, even in a galaxy. So like building the Death Star meant something. Because oh my God. It stripped the galaxy of so many of its resources. And now you're telling me that he can just build this entire fleet of ships undetected? Like, what? <laughs> I think one of the biggest final discussion points that we'll just, I'll tease is that it's based off of what you're saying, is that this movie just com- it constantly undermines everything that came before it. JJ is just so gung-ho on raising the stakes to the point where it's like the law of diminishing returns you know what the law of diminishing returns is right Mm -hmm. okay maybe i should just explain for the audience who doesn't understand the best way to explain it is like in avengers the chitauri army that comes from space like they're just going to keep coming and the superheroes are going to just keep beating them until they beat the big bad guy. They're it's like part of not, the formula. Yeah, it's part of the formula. They're not truly anything. So you got to like keep raising the stakes. Next time they're going to be like even creepier and uglier things that just keep coming. And then they keep coming in a different form. And they keep, you know, it's just like they keep building them. And at the end of the day, it you know that it means nothing. No matter how big and strong you make this thing, it means nothing. So that's what's happening here. He's just raising the stakes, but it, in the middle, it means nothing. Right, because the, the context, because, uh, you know, out of context, it's exactly what you're saying. It's just like, oh, like, and obviously this is, you know, will reveal itself in, in, as we go through our plot breakdown, but it's like, oh, like, you thought the Death Star was bad. It's like, here's Starkiller base. And like, okay, like that's, you, you can write it off even though it's frustrating. And now it's like, oh, but now we've got a whole fleet of ships that can destroy planets. And you're like, okay so like you're literally just trying to outdo yourself and we'll, we'll keep let's keep going i don't want to get too this is like... ridiculous it's only in the first paragraph <laughs> on the falcon poe oscar isaac finn john boyega and chewy uh eunice oh god so um so what swip slippy swampy swans samson <laughs> uh junis swat swatamo anyway obtain information from a first order spy uh, just then, tie intercept. Uh, a light, a light speed skipping chase begins. Wait, uh, whatever. It's Let's at just the, keep going. It's sensory overload from the get go. On was this agent? Uh, Ajan Kloss. Ajan Kloss. On Ajan Kloss, Ray Daisy Ridley trains under the tutelage of her new master, General Leia Organa, Car- Carrie Fisher. Ray's concentration is broken by Kylo mediating with Vader's helmet in a far off galaxy. Um, I kind of just want to know, even Ray in this movie starts off like overpowered to the extreme. We literally meet her as she hovers in the air with like rocks spinning around her like she's Avatar the Last Airbender or something. It's, 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 uh, he, yeah, it's too much. Like... It just feels like a blatant, like, fuck you again to The Last Jedi, where it's like, you know, what is something Ryan literally wrote in the script? Like, the Force isn't about just lifting rocks and stuff. Like, yes, you can do that. And it paid off as a joke in The Last Jedi. But, like, 
here we're literally starting with her hovering in the air lifting rocks just well yeah i think a big point of this whole movie is that it's 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 it tries to undo the last jedi for for all the people that hated it and that's part of what its problem is because it's giving people the answers that they thought they wanted from the force awakens and then obviously this is a real like final point but it's kind of like yeah, we'll, we'll get into this later let's just keep going please um <laughs> we gotta keep going this is always forward uh leave the past behind uh let it you know kill must kill the past whatever it is it's, um <laughs> uh flashes of ray's past play i speak of the past after the session ray hands back luke's lightsaber to leia promising to be wor worthy of it one day the falcon in disrepair lands ray and poe spar over the falcon and bb-8's conditions at night the resistance gathers to Hold hear up. before we get to that i just kind of like want to talk about the script here i feel like there is this like weird like disconnect in terrio and jj's mind where they have equated friends like constantly bickering to mean friendship you know like all the dialogue in this movie is like Poe, Ray, and Finn like having quick, it's, like, it's very passive aggressive, argumentative banter, banter. Right. And we're supposed to think that that means that they're friends, but I'm just getting tension between them. Like, I, right. I, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I don't think you're writing friendship truly correctly. And I get that the stakes are higher, I guess, in their world, but also like it just comes off very, I guess, passive aggressive. It's very like, that's a good point because they never, I don't I know, don't, like I tensions. I really don't buy the fact that they are friends. Honestly, I don't. No. I like un Finn and Ray, yes, but Poe and Poe and Finn, yes, but I don't get the fact, like, I, I don't see Ray and Poe, like, at, for, as friends at all. No, it's very, it's very, it's a very strange relationship and I don't. I don't know. You get, Oscar yeah. Isaac is a very charming man. I yeah. don't understand. <laughs> this is, this, by all means, this should work, but he it had doesn't. charisma with a fucking cat in Inside the Davis. <laughs> Are you telling he me he can't work with you, Ray? <laughs> Come on, this is ridiculous. Um, Ray and Post Bar of the Falcon and BBH conditions. At night, the Resistance gathers to hear the message obtained by the spy. Quote unquote, somehow Palpatine returned <laughs> with a final order. Uh, the quest for Exegol is on. In the Jedi text, Ray discovers that Luke was looking for the Sith planet. Uh, Ray wants to continue his. Uh, Ray wants to continue his quest. Uh, Poe, Finn, Chewie, BB-8, and C-3PO, Anthony Daniels are joining Ray. Yeah, yeah, we're off on the mission. Um, the Knights of Ren gather as Kylo Ren's helmet is reforged again. We're putting the helmet back on. He enters, which. I, I don't know why you need the helmet again. The whole point of the last movie was like, he finally has confidence in who he is. Well, that's like I said, the whole movie feels like it's undoing Last Jedi because so many people were angry with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he enters a meeting with the First Order Brass, proclaiming there is a spy. General Hux, Domhnil Gleeson, is called out. There is an air of skepticism about the, fi the final order fleet, but Admiral uh, General pride richard e grant who i i you know he's a great actor it's yeah just like you were completely wasted in this movie. 100 percent uh anyway general pride is excited as the fleet has 
uh, as the fleet has been expanded 10,000 fold, again, just raising the stakes to like insurmountable numbers, 10,000, he literally says, this raises our odds 10,000 fold, or like our fleet 10,000 <laughs> Kylo orders the fleet to be ready. He and the Knights of Ren are going hunting for Rey. On Pasana, the gang arrives to a festival. Now, uh, I just wanted to make a side note. The festival was like, in the movie verse, it's they say it's a festival that only happens every 40 years. That's, 42 years. That's the gap between. Yeah, that was the gap between that uh, the Rise of Skywalker and the original. And a New Hope, movie. yeah, which is which is a cool little Easter egg, but. Yeah. Eh, it only yeah, goes so whatever. far. <laughs> uh, Ray is. I mean, this planet I think is beautifully designed, but it's also kind of just like we don't get enough time within the location like at all that could be said for a lot of the locations here the production design is always is always is really it's it's admirable but it it's so rushed that yeah i don't know uh uh where was i on pasana the gang arrives to a festival ray is gifted a beaded necklace by a local child the scene goes dark as ray and kylo connect through the force again verbally they spar before Kylo grabs the necklace. My problem in right now is not necessarily that he grabs the necklace. I mean, yes, I do have a problem with that because it just seems like we're using the force as a teleportation device now. But yeah. my bigger problem is as a movie, okay, there is a rule. It's Chekhov's law. You set something up in act A so it can go off in act three. In this movie, we are literally introduced to something so we it could be paid off within a matter of a minute later. This is not the last time this will happen. Like in terms of the teleportation thing with no, the no, necklace, no. yeah. Just in general, we are given like a MacGuffin, like the necklace, so that a minute later it could be ripped off. Just like in a couple scenes when we go to Kim Genie or whatever the planet's name is. Uh, what's her face? Um, uh, Daft Punk shows the coin to Poe. Oh, yeah. So, a scene later, it's like, here, take the coin. And it's like, we keep getting these plot of, or even the Wayfinder, you know, we meet, we're introduced to the Wayfinder, so it could be shown immediately after. It's well, like that given plot points, we're given objects like just for them to pay off like immediately. There's no that's even like build. That's why I said it feels like a video game. It's almost like Legend of Zelda. It's like, go find this thing. And it's like, all right, now bring this thing to this person. And that's how you keep moving forward. And it's like, it's, I don't know. I want to make a quick note. I don't know if you yeah. said it here, but when they, the scene, it's with this, the dialogue when they, she's talks to the, to talks to the girl who's like, oh, what's your name? Like, and Ray has that like moment of like, oh, like, I don't have a name or whatever. It's just, I don't just have whatever. A family name, yeah. But like, as I remember the feeling, even watching it the first time, being like, "Oh God!" Like they're gonna, they're gonna build to some. They're gonna, they're gonna actually do something. They're not gonna instead of embracing Ray being a nobody. This is gonna be like, "Oh no!" They're gonna harp on this. This is you can almost feel them building to a a familial reveal uh, early on. But it's even that. It's like little nuggets that I'm like, "Oh boy!" Like well, it's just really troubling. From the feelings. moment from the beginning of the movie, the first scene. Palpatine orders Kylo to kill the girl, which means right. like she's important to him for some right. reason. Right, 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 right. We're we're laying the breadcrumbs here throughout the entire <sighs> Lay, laying it on thick. Uh, 
the first or where was I? The first order arrives in record time. Like literally, they get the necklace, analyze it, and arrive in like five seconds. The gang is quickly saved by Lando, Billy D. Williams. Nice to see him again. Yeah. Uh, who was with Luke when he was looking for the Wayfinder, which, what a coincidence. <laughs> the trail went cold with a crashed ship in the desert. The gang is now en route, but being pursued by, uh, by stormtroopers that fly. Again, nitpick. But Finn is shouting out, like, they fly now? One, you were a stormtrooper. You should know that. Two, stormtroopers... And even well, clone, even clones were flying in the Clone War when they went to Mandalore. It's nothing new that there are stormtroopers or clone troopers that fly. Well, I think so, this is the first time we've seen stormtroopers with like jetpacks in this version of stormtroopers. I guess, like, I you know what you're saying. Like, like with in Mandalore and with um, with, with Jango Fett and whatnot. Like, the technology was there, but I don't know if we had seen that quite incorporated with stormtroopers at this point. So it's it almost feels meta for the audience. It's meta for the audience, but it's not meta for the audience who has been following every, again, every piece of Star Wars history. Uh, again, like, our... if you're watching the Clone Wars, you're gonna look at this and go, "Yeah, of course they fucking fly." Like <laughs> again, at the running theme of our conversation, this breakdown is that it this is constantly undermining everything that the fans actually know. Yeah. <laughs> um, they find the ship again very easily, <laughs> a ship that looks familiar to Ray. But before they can get to it, they are thrown into quicksand because, of course, as they sink, Finn shouts, Ray, I never told you. A setup for something we never get a payoff for. <laughs> Don Boyega has later said in interviews that it was supposed to be that he was force sensitive, though we are never given an answer in the movie. So who knows? Finn was a great character. And this movie, he is completely wasted. All he does throughout the entire movie is shout other people's names. Ray! Ray! It's just like... Again, uh, I want to see the parody version of this. Right <laughs> guy who used to be a character. And, I... <laughs> and poor Rose was just like literally thrown to the sidelines. I think she's got... Someone clocked it. I think it's like 72 seconds of screen time or something yeah. like that or... Uh, before they leave the planet, Finn is like, hey, you want to come with us? She's like, no, no, I'm good. No, I've had my internet hate. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this time they can't blame me on the movie. Oh boy, we're about to get some more nitty gritty. In a dark cavern underground, the gang is fine. They find a Sith marked knife. 3PO confirms that the Wayfinder's location has been inscribed on the knife, but his programming forbids, forbids him to read it aloud. Which again, just like, what was Anakin doing? Like, when he was ten years old, building <laughs> C3PO's programming. Oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure he can't read Sith. Like, my ridiculous. God. Behind them, a serpent appears. It does not want to hurt them, but gets help for its wound. Ray uses the Force heals uh, to help the serpent. Oh God, this. Let's just. Let's just get a quick, get it out of the way quick. Force heal completely undermines everything, everything in Star Wars. Because what the fuck were all the Jedi doing? 
up until this point if they didn't have the ability to force heal well and i get that like for t- terms of storytelling that gray is supposed to be so powerful that maybe this is something that she unlocks that no other jedi has she's found a way to find new ways to use the force but like it feels unlike the force communication in the last jedi like it feels this feels extremely cheap and i can't i can't really explain why other than what you were just saying is like if the jedi are supposed to be as powerful as they've been for generations like how is was this just a thing that that had never happened before how is this something that just randomly just it it just feels so tacked on and each movie has to bring something new to the force i get it i get it but you've already shown that you can now like grab objects through the force because kylo just did it like you've already introduced something new that was kind of unrealistic and now you're asking us to believe that jedi can just heal wounds like you're asking me to believe a lot in this movie and a lot of it like there's only so much I can take in. So much suspension of disbelief. That, I know. I, I know that we are in a galaxy far, far away. And, you know, these are space wizards and that's fine. But this is just like a lot. Again, it's a law of diminishing returns. I, and it's the complete antithesis of what we like just learned in the last movie. Because again, this comes down to how philosophical... I think the... Di- you know what? I'll save the. I'll save the thought for later. I can't do it right now. It's there's too many thoughts, man. Just keep going. <laughs> Out of the caves, the gang makes its way to the ship. The Falcon has been abandoned. The Knights of Ren have arrived and are taking Chewie hostage. Sensing something, Gray moves into the desert as Kylo barrels toward her in his tie. She leaps up. She leaps over the tie and splits its fin, causing Kylo to spiral say that three times fast right uh finn calls out to ray about chewy she had, she and a helmetless kylo lock onto the escape pod like a reflex ray loses control and blows the ship with force lightning with no time to take in what happened they flee the planet scared ray opens up to finn about a vision she had where she and kylo are sitting on the throne of the sith we're not going to unpack it all, but I will say I remember the feelings I had. And I will make this quick is that being very, as we said, very um, taken aback, I guess you could say the dead speak. There's the opening crawl. There's all the exposition. There's the artifacts. There's the fetch quest. And then this moment happens. And again, this movie is incredibly entertaining. I'm not saying it's in terms of quality, like it moves at a quick pace, which is both. No, it's 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 not a good thing. I was gonna say it's it's entertaining, but you're making me believe that I'm watching something fun, and I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. But when that moment happened with the force lightning blowing up the ship, I really I was remember being so shocked. I was like, that's literally the last thing I ever could have expected. Obviously, I don't agree with it. I don't. I think it's ridiculous. But I remember being shocked in the theater. I'm like, wow, that's a very unexpected move. I knew um, from the moment it happened it was fake news because cardinal rule number one for movies is you don't kill the dog yeah and i also everything to this moment has like has just led me to believe that there are no stakes in the movie every no. stake has been raised to an insurmountable level so 
Chewie getting killed by J.J. Abrams just like never seemed like it was real. No. And also, I did see the second ship. So <laughs> there, there are literally two ships when the Knights of Ren are loading Chewie up. And right. I, I saw that there were two ships. It's, How it's the other one got um, away so secretly, like, I don't know. But. It's definitely a ruse. Part of the most, one of the most disrespectful, that's a, great, a word that I think is important. And one of the most disrespectful things about this movie is it, it cons its audience constantly into believing that things are happening and then they don't. And it yeah. happens throughout. It happens multiple times throughout this movie. We, um, we'll get more into fake deaths later, but there are so many. It's, it's like it's not too much. It's, it's too much. It's too much. It's really, it's, it's disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> so it, with it, that said, the Falcon and an alive, uh, revealed to be alive Chewie, <laughs> are taken prisoner uh, with the Wayfinder's location in 3PO's mind. They decide to find a coder on uh, Kijimi. Kajimi, yeah. Kajimi? Slippy swamp response. The planet is under the first order's thumb. The mission is quickly abandoned as Poe is held at gunpoint by his old space space running partner, Zori, played by Kerry Russell, aka Daft Punk. Wasted. Um, the abending is quickly upended again as Ray gains Zori's trust. They are taken to Babu Frick, Shirley Henderson. Hold on, a lot to unpack here. Hold on. Babu can translate the Sith language, but it will cause a complete memory wipe, but 3PO agrees to it. While on watch, Zori shows Poe her uh, her ticket out. A First Order a first order captain's medallion. 3PO's eyes go red as he shares the Wayfinder's location on the moon of Endor. There's no time to, to soak the information in as, as Kylo Ren's destroyer pulls Pulls out of light speed. Ray instantly senses Chewie's aboard. Zori gives Poe with the medallion as they say goodbye. Kylo lands on the planet as the gang lands on the destroyer. Just there. Let's just take it all in first. But let's do something like completely like has nothing to do with the plot, has nothing to do with anything. Uh, John Williams has a cameo in the sequel. Yeah, he's the bartender, and, right? He's the bartender. I uh, just wanted to make a note of that because so cool. It's, it's cool that after nine movies, he finally got to make a cameo. Yeah. Again, has nothing to do with the plot. Nice to see him. Yeah. Two again has nothing to do with the plot, but Shirley Henderson we've seen before in Okja. Uh, That's right. Yeah, she was also Mer moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter franchise. So again, That's cool. nothing to do with anything. Um, there's okay. there's now, too much going on at this point. Yeah. Again, the friends are just bickering, meaning that they're friends, I guess. Like, oh, you were a spice runner? Oh, you were a stormtrooper? Oh, you were... It's like, whatever. And then 3PO, again, it was a heartfelt moment. Maybe the first time you watched it when 3PO's like, I'm saying goodbye to my friends. One last look at my friends and you're like... Yeah, and they played that in the trailer and it hit hard. But again, you know he's a droid and that R2-D2 probably has a mem backup memory for him. So what's the, there's no stakes again. You've built up this entire plot device for I don't know what reason. If you had just skipped the middleman and had 3PO been able to read the Sith, uh, you know, Sith dagger from the beginning, it would have saved 20 minutes. It probably would have saved like $40 million of production. And it would have led to the exact same position. Like we've learned and done nothing in the last... 20 minutes that you're really leading you're, yeah you're leading your audience to believe that it's plot 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 important things are happening and then it undoes itself and then it goes to the next scene and it repeats the same way at this point in the movie it's easy to track how it's going and this is why it's hard to be in denial or it's easy to be in denial in the beginning because you're like this can't be 
a real Star Wars movie. Even the worst Star Wars movies have better pacing than this. But this is like, at this point in the movie, it's like, because it's, like I said, entertaining. It's very fast paced. It moves. There's a lot of action, but like, it's very hard to like, accept reality at this point like they're really just doing everyone dirty like yeah. they're just moving as fast as they can and undoing anything that they're presenting <laughs> breaks the number one rule of any good movie which is you're putting plot before character characters should dictate the plot not the other way around 100 percent. and this movie it's just plot 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 we got to do this to do this to do this to do this to do it's a stepping it's a ladder that you're just continuously climbing by the time you get to the top you're just so exhausted that you're like laying on the ground like ray like <laughs> kill, me! kill me um in quick succession chewie's found as ray gets the dagger finn chewie so quick too like this all happens real quick. That's way too quick, man. This is like, it's like someone pitched in uh, like a 10 hour movie or a mini series and they're like, we got to do crunch time. Ray needs to find the dagger now. <laughs> and then someone else in the background's like, wait, why is the dagger important again? And they're like, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> get him here. This guy hasn't been paying attention. <laughs> oh my God. Finn, Chewie, and Poe blast their way through the halls. They're surrounded. Ray, meanwhile, finds herself in Kylo's chambers. Their minds are linked as Kylo pushes the, the duel and flashbacks to Ray's past play. Her parents are killed under the orders of Palpatine. Vader's helmet drops and Ray's location is revealed to Kylo. Lined up for execution, Finn, Chewie, and Poe are saved by Hux, revealed to be the spy. There Did is. You like this duel? Which one? Between, Between Kylo and Ray? It's actually, interesting because they are fighting in two different. I thought it was very. I thought it was very unique from a visual perspective. I thought it was unique. I I I didn't hate it. Um, I think it's shot well. Yes, that's my point. But again, by this point, I'm just checked out. They're literally fighting between two worlds, and again, it's like there's only so much I can believe here. It's at this point, my brain, it's sensory overload. My brain is so, it's being subjected to so much visual that even when I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like it's, it's over. Yeah. And I just kind of want to know what the people around Kylo are thinking. Like, can they see Ray? Like, is he just like waving his fucking saber in front of his men? Just like, and they're looking around going, what is this guy doing? Like, you know, I just, I, I imagine like, you know, it's always sunny when they're at the high school reunion and they're dancing to, uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, uh, the high school, um, yeah. Mike, Mike, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, George Michael. Yeah. They're dancing to, to George Michael and in their minds, well choreographed. And then all of a sudden, like, they're like D's in like the, the head trap or whatever. And like, they're all like, and Fat Max doing and his thing. And, and, and it just, it's just the smash cut to them and they're sweaty and they're, and they're just horrible and like the music's barely playing and like that's what i imagine like there's this duel going on with music from the from the perspective of the fans and also like this i mentioned stormtroopers walking around the corner and it just cuts to no music and it's just kind of like just by himself just awkwardly just smashing and they're like is this one of his angry moments again is this one of his like outbursts again or and that's a what that's what i'm doing i never know what he's doing i never know what he's doing <laughs> um and as far as hucks being the spy and the spy plot in oh general God. just so just like, i just want to say just fuck this whole plot man this is so ridiculous you took even clearly a, had no idea what to do with hucks clearly and, and if you watch gleason during the entire like uh press tour for this movie he like did not give a fuck 
He just didn't all. care. I mean, they they screwed him. I mean, they did. They like they did to a lot of people in this movie. They were just like, hey, you used to be important once, or the audience used to believe you were important, but now you're not. Um, in the hangar, Kylo reveals that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter because at this point, why not? However, Kylo, I mean, his name is Ben, right? He followed the tradition here. He's telling you that he told you the truth in the last movie from a certain point of view. From a certain and point now of view, he's going to tell you the real truth. Oh my God! However, that was Kylo, the biggest crock of shit. Your yeah. parents were no one because they chose to be. Oh, mic drop. You're Oof. doing what. You're doing what Obi-Wan did to Luke in Return of the Jedi, where as That's it what I'm was saying. but it was but where it used to be more of a believable standpoint because it's around characters who you are already in the story. You're throwing in this character who's believed to be dead. Now he's back, and all of a sudden you're throwing in a new plot, like, oh, by the way, you're related. Like, you know what I mean? Like should we have the relation conversation now? Because Pal- it's been revealed. Palpatine, I mean, granddaughter is like kind of a loose term because she is the offspring of one of Palpatine's clones. So I, does that make you a grandchild? Is a clone considered a son? I, What's I don't- funny is before all the clone, because that came out after the movie, is that it was, I guess it was there was text or whatever. Maybe it was in the novelization of the movie that, it was the clones plot line was revealed so it's funny because days you know how fast the internet moves is days after this movie came out one of the biggest things on the internet people were saying they're like yo if ray is palpatine's daughter that means at some point <laughs> that palpatine you know palpatine must have had relations with someone and then there was like all these things like hashtag palpatine fucks and they were like you know whatever palpatine you know is whatever palpatine's actually you know made intercourse before but like at what point is it because at the time if they look at the timeline they're like he must have already turned he must have been gross palpatine you know what i mean yeah. and the internet ran with it because That's why i didn't lo- that was one of the reasons why i didn't like this thing <laughs> too because i was like that doesn't make sense to palpatine's character i feel like he's asexual he seems like the only thing he truly gets pleasure from is you know the pain and suffering of other people he's never had i mean a lot of the characters don't show it um some of them but it's like yeah he's never steered in 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 a direction where you believe he has any feelings towards yeah uh, his own relations i guess or his own we will get to it later but palpatine's character makes just no sense throughout the entire movie when he comes back which again it's like you introduced palpatine maybe like an hour ago and we haven't heard about him we haven't heard from him since like he, he literally vanishes for like an hour and a half in this movie anyway let's keep going uh it is revealed that ray is Pal- palpatine's granddaughter however kylo insists that together they are still stronger uh they are a dead of the force connected to one another once again kylo holds out his hand but once again ray refuses to take it she jumps out of the she jumps out of the ship not the falcon on the bridge pride kills hux um tell him i found the spy oh, God. i fucking you know, hate it r.i.p general hux um we hardly knew ye on a moon of endor ray uses the dagger to locate the wayfinder on the wreckage of the death star i just want to make a quick note right now i was just gonna say i like that like because they're standing on a random hill and she like pulls it up like a protractor and she's like oh this must be where we're going and yeah. i'm like 
is there a marked is there a, a like a treasure map leading you to this spot where you have to stand like it almost would have made more sense to have lucky are you to have been standing in like the exact point that you need to at be on. this point i almost would have applauded the filmmakers to have a wide of overhead of the characters walking and they're following a dotted line to a giant red x and they're you know what i mean and, and this- think about who made this who like my who made this dagger i don't understand <laughs> because it had to have been made after the death star exploded a hundred percent so what who made this dagger it's not that old of a dagger they're acting like it's this ancient this ancient thing, thing but it's less than 30 years old right and at one point i didn't make a note of it but at one point ray touches the dagger when they first find it she's like this this blade has done some terrible things it's like bitch you're literally (laughs) using the lightsaber that was used to cut down younglings 40 uh, like years ago are you kidding me right now this dagger has done terrible things you're using meanwhile, Anakin's lightsaber. He kills younglings with it. You're telling me that's like better than what you're using now? Uh, meanwhile, I'm pushing the lightsaber in her, uh, like in her belt, and like a character, um, uh, I, I don't know who it would be. Um, you know, some like someone stares at the lightsaber and they do like an awkward like side look, and all of a sudden, smash cuts to to Master Skywalker. What? Are, there's too many of them. What are we gonna do? And you just see the lightsaber like like just come to ignite, and then it just it would cut back to reality. Like, yep, I guess that dagger's done some bad things. Oh boy. <laughs> like again, small stuff, but it's like details you should be paying attention to. This is why you get like. A team of people to help you with the story yeah the people who can point out little things that's what works so well in like rogue one where oh when it's they the were making total rogue, opposite yeah when they were making rogue one they were developing a character an extremist character and the story group came up to gareth edwards and was like hey what about saw guerrero we already got this guy in our canon why don't we just use him we've come right. a long way from that because it seems like this was literally just thrown at the fucking wall oh yeah anyway jana naomi aki uh an ex first order stormtrooper promises to take the group to the death star wreckage by water in the morning more determined than ever ray steals a skimmer finn wants to uh, wants to go to the wreckage to save ray poe is determined to fix the falcon aboard the wreckage uh ray makes her way to the emperor's throne room which again to your point earlier the production design was really cool for that yeah i love the visuals here i have no problem with going to the wreckage of the death star i think it's cool but how we got there makes no sense it's bananas (laughs) i feel like a math teacher right now who's like you got to the right answer but the way you got there was overly complicated and just like (laughs) You didn't need to do this. You, you need know? to show your work, you know? Don't fill up the whole page with nonsense. <laughs> you showed your work, but you did a lot of extra work. <laughs> uh, where was I? Off goes to the Emperor's throne room. Off to the side, there is a hidden room where Rey confronts dark versions of herself. With a moment's break, Kylo waits for her holding the Wayfinder. Again, he tries to create an equivalency between the two of them saying the dark side is in their nature. I guess. Um, he shatters the Wayfinder and Ray lunges at him. 
As the waves crash on top of them, they duel. Kylo brings Rey to heal, but his attention is pulled to his mother. He drops his weapon. Rey picks it up and plunges it into Kylo. Immediately remorseful, Rey heals him. She flees the planet aboard Kylo's tie. Uh, something else I, need, I should note, Kylo's attention was broken by Leia, and Leia ultimately dies. This is like her last heroic act, reaching out to her son <laughs> through the Force. So I like... A lot happens here. Go I on. know, and I don't want to unpack it all, but basically, like, one, I again, with the visuals, I thought it was cool. I liked the idea of the waves and the lightsaber battle. Like, they teased that in the trailers a bunch, but them fighting with the waves crashing down was cool visually. I like that it's a flip from, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan literally fighting in lava. This yeah. has a more redemptive spirit to it because yeah, at the 100%. end of it, they're both reborn in the light. I know, and I think it's more of a testament to what could have been and we're not well, well we won't do that now but basically i like the visuals i like the waves and i like the idea and they kind of had been teasing it but that it's uh you know kylo ren's connection to his mother that ultimately you know shows him his humanity it gives they clearly plan for leia to have more of that um more more significance than this like you had said earlier that this was going to be ultimately her send-off um that being said is with her her passing is like, in, sorry, with Carrie Fisher passing, watching this scene is ultimately a little strange because of how rushed it is. And you can feel that it's thrown together quickly. I don't mind the, that it's happening. It's the way it's thrown at us. It's kind of like, all right, this is happening all too quickly. Like it's happening very fast. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to, to anyone's credit, and I will also say Luke's death happens very fast in The Last Jedi. It happens very fast, and some people don't always understand that it actually did happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I give credence to that one. There could have been like an extra moment for Luke's death. Uh, but I feel the same way here for Leia. Um, as for the duel, like you said, I think it's beautifully shot. It's not really that like heart pounding though the problem with this movie at its core is you're telling me ray could turn to the dark side and the character that we have seen the last two movies not even in the last jedi but the last two movies has led me to believe that she will never go back she'll she's never gonna go to the dark side like she's chosen her path the right. only reason i'm supposed to give a shit or the only reason i'm supposed to think she could turn is because she found out she's a palpatine not because of any character development you've done to her, you know? Again, that's putting plot before character, like you just said before. Yeah, and so when she stabs Kylo, okay, cool, but you've now introdu introduced force healing. So, like, I knew that's what she was going to do. It, it would have been better if she'd, like, let him die, honestly. But well, it's, yeah, I, I understand acting out of aggression because that's human, you know what I mean? She's so angry in the moment that she, she you know, gives him a fatal blow. Like, it's kind of like, that's more realistic. Um, but because they clearly wanted to bring force healing into this movie, it's like, it, again, like Chewie's death or, you know, C-3PO going uh, memory wiped. It's like, it's, it's all undone. You know, it's all, I don't know. But that's my point. There's so many fake deaths. The movie starts by telling you death doesn't matter because Palpatine is back. Death is arbitrary from the very beginning. Uh, 
Anyway, back at the resistance base, Poe pushes to see Leia, but it is too late. She's gone. I will also say, uh, when Chewie drops to his knees and shouts to the sky about Leia's death, that also kind of hits me. Yeah. But that's because you know Leia's actually You've, gone. Yeah, and you know these characters, and these are like, you know, the original team has fallen apart, so you can really yeah. feel it. Looking out on the sea, Kylo hears a voice of his, of his father. Once again, Han... Harrison Ford begs his son to come back home to the light. Han holds his son's face, but this time the pull to the light wins. I, it's interesting that they literally repeat the conversation that they had on the bridge. And it goes back to what I said on episode seven. Like, I think Kylo didn't know what he was going to do when he went out on that bridge. And this is what went through his mind. But I also said a couple weeks ago that it's just cheap to use Han Solo to bring Kylo back to the light because the only reason he's here is to tell the audience, I forgive you. Because without Harrison Ford forgiving Kylo, you can't forgive Kylo. Right. It's like he needs the approval of his dead father to be like, listen, I know what you did was fucked up. But no, like... it's not even him. It's we. There. Right. It's... Harrison Ford is the conduit of the audience and it's right. kind of just like cheap and easy to me. Like Kylo didn't earn coming back to the light. It's a plot. Again, it's an easy plot device to get the audience to back a character. Yeah, of course. I, I don't remember where I read it, but I, I, I remember reading it. There was a rumor that Hayden Christensen was going to come back for this movie and it was going to be a conference. It was going to be a, a basically a confrontation between Kylo Ren and, the original whatever and Anakin in terms of this whole idea of like hey you're modeling yourself after me and it was supposed to be this kind of like force ghost kind of like I don't know if that was in the script or if that was like something that whatever but um but that ultimately that scene was repurposed to be the Harry between to, to be the, the Han Solo character instead of the Anakin character yeah that would um, be good but, but oh well guess I'll go fuck myself I'll uh, go. <laughs> uh as Kylo's weapon is tossed to the wreckage, Ben Solo is reborn. The Emperor senses this turn and tasks Pride with command of the Final Order. I guess Pride has no pride. Uh, he just is like bowing to the Emperor and like, yeah. Uh, a destroyer destroys Kajimi, thereby killing John Williams. So just let that be known, guys. J.J. Abrams killed John Williams. <laughs> a new message is sent across the galaxy by the Emperor. The final order begins. With a pep talk from Lando, Poe commands the resistance. Yeah, they just like took command real quick. Poe and Finn were like, general, general. Like, okay, cool. Guess uh, I... there's no semblance of anything anymore. At this point... I remember feeling it the first time and I definitely felt that this time is that the movie's just tired at this point. Like at this point, it's like, you're trying to gain, you're trying to pull so much emotion out of me that it's like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. At this point, I'm completely numb to everything from this point on, because it's like, again, this moment that we're about to talk about, it's like, I feel like this should be an enormous moment and great payoff. And I can't, I can't be invested. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll I'll dive into it and then I'll just continue real quick. Is on Octu, uh, Ray burns the Tie Fighter and the Wayfinder. She throws Luke's weapon into the fire, but it is caught by Force Ghost Luke Skywalker Mark Hamill. 
again, I'm like, I, I, I just, I hate it. I hate the way it's delivered. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. My right? first thought was, oh, I guess that your hair continues to grow when you're dead. <laughs> Mark Hamill's hair is like ridiculously long in this. It's movie. so long. It's outrageous. Um, and I, even even the the image of of a, of a ghost hand of of Luke Skywalker catching lightsaber, like no, no, like I, I just don't. No, he. It, it's literally a comment to like either. I'll, I'll say the comment and then I'll the quote and then you could determine what it is. A Jedi's weapon should be shown more respect. A hundred percent. You that you can look at it two ways. An optimist can look at it and say, "Okay, well, that's the lesson Luke learned in the Last Jedi. Like he learned to revere the Jedi again, and he, that he was wrong. Therefore, like him catching the lightsaber is like don't throw away your weapon don't the way throw I away. did. Yeah, don't do it the way I did. But the realist." in me is going that is jj abrams blatantly like smacking j ryan johnson that's yeah jj slapping ryan johnson in the face right there it's again it's like a lot of trying to undo the last movie it reminds me almost identically to the first line in uh the force awakens this will begin to make things right you know it's the exact same thing it's just like jj slapping the previous person He he loves being meta and it's really uh but uh, anyway, Ray expresses her fear to her old master. Luke explains that just because she is a Palpatine does not mean that she is destined for evil. Again, themes that we've gone over how many not times in this. That, but if he knew who she was and Leia knew who she was, then like, what the fuck? Like, I. Well, I don't think whatever. it's that. I don't know. It's not. I can't. Again, I can't be invested at this point. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. He says, Luke gives Ray with Leia's old lightsaber and his old X-Wing. The journey to Exegol begins. So- Again, Luke gives uh, Leia's lightsaber to Ray simply because you need a second lightsaber. Like, that is why it's I hate there. It. it is an immediate plot point that is gifted and utilized within like five minutes you see what i'm saying it's just like these things just keep getting introduced you're supposed to think that they have meaning and then their payoff happens within a scene or two the dagger as well it's all the same shit it's just like macguffin after macguffin to pay off to pay off for plot device and it just keeps happening it's just a placeholder it's a physical tangible placeholder for something that's supposed to be important it's, I don't know. I really just, I can't at this point. The resistance receives race transmission, the way to Exegol. A plan is formed. The final order ships are given direction by a tower. Take out the tower, take out the, their ability to fly. Finn will lead a ground assault. Poe in, po in the air. Lando and Chewie, meanwhile, plan to go across the galaxy to plead for help. Instantaneously, the resistance is met with heavy fire. The tower has been moved to the head. Star Destroyer on horseback, the ground assault begins. In the dark catacombs of the Sith world, Rey is met with exhilaration by her grandfather. Long have I await, await long have I waited for my grandchild to come home. <laughs> I can't. Hey, Grandpa. Hey, Grams. Hey, Grams. Palpatine. Damn it, Billy. Palpatine <laughs> offers Ray the throne of the Sith and the galaxy. By striking him down, their souls will merge. The souls of all the Sith will live in her. Now, here um, again is my uh, a problem I have with... If, if you're going to bring Palpatine back, this is, again, not who Palpatine is. Palpatine isn't the kind of guy who wants to die. Like... 
that's just not who he is. It's so, not his not his game anymore. Not his gimmick anymore. And then on top of it, it's like, then why did you have Kylo try and kill Rey if you wanted to kill her or you needed to kill her on Exegol? Why sick Kylo on her where he could have killed her on the Death Star remains? There's so many questions around all this. I mean, why like, have didn't you why need the ritual? I don't. I don't. And uh, like, why have why have General? snoke be a thing at all if he was just like you said a MacGuffin. it's like it's why if you knew what the end game was like why spend all this time in between trying to do these things that didn't matter yeah something uh, that does actually interest me within the new canon okay is <laughs> if we are to believe if we know that snoke is a like weird genetically made thing i don't even know what it is who has the ability to use the force snoke knew something that palpatine didn't which is that kylo and ray were a dyad in the force right which is interesting to me between snoke and palpatine's relations but i mean there's again, enough i don't need i don't even want to explore that but you know i don't, what I'm saying? I don't it's care like anymore interesting, but i don't care yeah you dangled an interesting piece for a moment now it's kind of like all right well i'm just gonna continue to go fuck myself um, um yeah. Uh, by by striking him down, their souls will merge. The souls of all the Sith will live in her. I don't know if at this point you see the state, the football stadium filled with all the hooded yep. Sith, uh, the ghost Sith, whatever. I don't. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think it was ghost Sith. It was like the acolytes. The they do exist. Those are the people who have been like maintaining the Sith world for thousands of years. Kind of like the caretakers on Octo. But why? Why? Why not? You know. But why explain it? You know, you know, you know, why not just, just leave it? You know, we'll just believe that they're just, you know, ghosts. <laughs> I don't know. The nave tower is taken down, but the resistance still waits for backup. Back to his old tricks. Palpatine begins his manipulation of Ray, reminding her that she is alone. The ceiling is opened. <laughs> the whole stone like ceiling that somehow just magically moves is open and the destruction of the resistance is revealed to ray ben solo with only his blaster has made it to the sith temple the knights of ren surround him triumphant palpatine exalts the jedi are dead oh boy uh just as ray raises her although i will say when he um shouts that it again, it's like the Ian McDermott charm. He's just like having so much fun. But he's showing up. Dead. Like, he's love. He's loving it. Loving it. Loving it. Uh, <laughs> just as Ray raises her saber, it transfers over to Ben. On the same side, the dyad look onto their common enemy. Oh boy, yeah. But it does not take long for Palpatine to realize he can use their forced life to regenerate himself. Uh, again it's just like oh boy whatever i, I can't even end it at this point. like i said like at, said, this, at point, this point I'm... it's just like everything everything it's... is happening there's literally a hundred thousand ships above you in combat ray and kylo are transferring things to each other through the force palpatine is like on this weird harness going like i can come like i'm gonna live through you there's acolytes everywhere it's just sensory overload right. it's just like everything is like this is too much tuna fish you want to know what too much tuna fish is it's a, this way too much entirely entirely too much tuna. perfectly timed 
Oh, perfectly timed to, <laughs> to the both of us that can see the Zoom screen right now. Um, <laughs> the resistance overrun. Uh, the resistance is overrun. At its bleakest point, Lando comes out of light speed with a fleet. They aim at the destroyer's cannons. Hold on one second. How they spend how many movies trying to get help? The the resistance is like, we need help. We're outnumbered. There's the opening of the Last Jedi. Like we're being there. Like whatever. There's there, there, we have a bomb fleet. Like we're like dealing with like a skeleton crew here. Lando shows up, you know, and he basically. He's just, well, let me tell you something, man. Can you say no to Land to Billy D. Williams? Of course, of course no not. He's the he's he's one of the best things about this movie because he like just shows up and he's just like I would rather have a, a whole movie about. Uh, it's ironic that two Disney era uh, Star Wars movies I'd rather just see the whole movie about Lando. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but um, he, my point about this is like all of a sudden it's like you know help is on the way and like it's just revealed that there's thousands of ships in the air. It's literally at this point we were told by Pride that there were a hundred thousand ships for the final order. With every ship that just came in from the Resistance. That means that there's like 200,000 ships just like in the air right now, all happening at once as like this thing is going on on the on the actual Star Destroyer with Finn and then with Rey down in the catacombs with Kylo. And you're just like, this is what like there's too much happening. It's so it's it's way too much at this point. And it's just. And I understand that it's following almost the exact formula as Return of the Jedi, where there's an air assault, a ground assault, and the Force stuff. But the magnitude of everything has just been raised to a level of, like, it's not even, like, a fathomable level at this point. You know, in, like, This is Spinal Tap, it's like you're turning it to 11. Everything is just turned to 11 here, and I'm like... I can't right now. I literally can't. And Exegol, the entire catacombs that Palpatine is in, I know we said that there is good production design, but the lighting for that is awful. I can't... (laughs) If people can watch this in their homes, they can watch that episode of Game of Thrones in their house that everyone was complaining (laughs) about. Because it is the darkest thing ever you can't see a goddamn thing and there's constant just flashes of light it's just and- light i'm like i'm like i'm people with epilepsy should never ever watch this movie <laughs> and then when the ships show up it's supposed to be like this cool moment because within the uh conglomerate of ships there's like easter eggs like the ghost oh, from yeah, star wars rebels t- is in there tons of easter eggs but then it brings out the bigger questions again it's like okay cool ghost you're in there like the ship's name is ghost but hera who's the owner of the ghost where have you been like what have you been doing it's like it's part of the problem it's part of it's part of one of it's part of one of the many problems with this movie it's just and that's why i said about when leia asked last time like what is going on (laughs) i know you hera you wouldn't have just sat by and let the resistance die that's why i brought lando bringing a whole fleet in like who could say no to lando sure but like you've brought in like generations worth of like fighters of people who have just like been like you've said i've been missing or nowhere unheard of he's in there it's ridiculous and that's (laughs) i should be excited but the fans should be excited but the sweaty nerd like a lot of like again common fans may be like oh that's cool look at all the ships and we're like the deep sweaty like nerds are like nope 
that doesn't make sense. And if that person's there, like you said, where have they been? It just creates anger. Uh, but like I said, at this point, century overload, I can't even feel anger at this point. Oh boy. The fully, uh, fully reborn and in new clothing somehow, the emperor basks in the cheers from his Sith acolytes. I just don't understand where the new clothing came from. And I, we're just yeah. supposed to accept at this moment he's wearing brand new clothing. Ben stands, but is thrown. Uh, on the throne, Palpatine fires force lightning at the resistance fleet. Somehow his force lightning has gained navigation systems that like, I can't, like, you're not shooting your shit at all. Looking up at the onslaught, Ray reaches out into the force. Familiar voices of friends long gone give Ray the strength to rise. Again, cool in concept, but you're raising the stakes again to a point where like you don't need to raise them Ray's journey is already like pretty epic at this moment you know this just feels like you're shoehorning a lot of like the pet you know you're shoehorning just the past in here and again you're giving like there's a line in there where Anakin's like bring balance as I once did and it's like if Palpatine is back you didn't bring balance to the force. Right. So like you have no right to claim that you brought balance to the force at all. Like you did My nothing guy. then. This is the problem with this movie. It undermines Star Wars. <laughs> anyway. We're we're getting close to final. This is good. I want to say so much, but keep going. She calls Leia's lightsaber and makes her way to her grandfather, shooting force lightning. Palpatine proclaims, I am all the Sith. With Anakin's lightsaber in hand, now Rey follows, saying, and I am all the Jedi. The for with the Force lightning fires back on Palpatine. My guy, if the lightning comes at your face, stop. You've done this before. My this is the third time, the third time in Star Wars, prequel trilogy, original trilogy, sequel trilogy, that Palpatine's lightning has been shot back in his face. face. Oh, <laughs> my, my guy, we should have learned this by now. <laughs> doesn't like if and if you see the shots too palpatine's skin like literally leaves his face if you feel your skin burning like that stop with the lightning <laughs> you're smarter than this i know you're smarter than so, this. Yeah, you literally yeah. conquered the galaxy three, three times now <laughs> okay it's ridiculous the Sith temple collapses. Simultaneously, Finn and Janna destroyed the command ship. The Final Order fleet can go nowhere. Before it is too late, Finn and Janna are saved by Lando in the Falcon. Ray collapses, and Ben, still alive, runs to her. Just as she saved him, he now heals her. Reborn, Ray looks onto Ben. Momentarily happy, they kiss. Oh, God. I... <sighs> Almost immediately, Ben falls. He and his mother vanish into the force simultaneously. I, I, just, I there's, it's like you said, it's like we said, it's just too much. You want to know what too much tuna looks like? This is it. <laughs> it's not that I was against the Raylo stuff. If you wanted to have them get together, get together. I don't care, but this was just like, but it came out of nowhere. It literally, exactly. This came out of nowhere, and you're just like, what just happened? Like, 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 there's definitely sexual tension in the Last Jedi when they're when they're force connecting and they, you know, show them shirtless and like you can feel the sexual tension, but the, well, because the, their minds are literally connecting, right? And it's not like in a cheesy way in this movie where like they can literally touch each other in the 
last jedi rules it's like you're connecting with one another but you can't touch each other that's like more sexual you know right of, of course the sexual tension is so Very much stronger sexual. in the last jedi because they're clearly connected but they like you said they can't touch whereas this it's like okay like they kiss but like you're not leading me from a story perspective to believe that it was ever building to a romance it was never building there even though like i i get it they have good chemistry and maybe them ending up together would have i don't know like i guess there's positives there could be like like you said it's like it's like i don't really care if you want to go for it that's fine but the movie never otherwise makes us believe that that's where the relationship is headed and for him to just like kiss her and then die it's like what are you poison ivy now like i don't (laughs) whatever with hope renewed across the galaxy the first order or final order is being destroyed back at the resistance base everyone reunites and cheers Close us out with this gem, Josh. All right, this is it. This one is, of the, this is one the moment. Of, on Tatooine, Ray finds the Skywalker farm. She buries the Skywalker's lightsabers. She then ignites her new yellow lightsaber. Two things before you get to even the next line. One, you're burying Anakin's lightsaber in sand. I'm sure he like really appreciates that, my girl. <laughs> like, come on. You don't know these people at all. You have learned nothing. Um and two, you're just flashing your yellow lightsaber to sh- for merchandise purposes. hundred percent. But like, come on, is that needed? Anyway. No way. It's, I, it's ridiculous. Get to um, the next line because we have more shit to raise. In the distance, an old woman asks who Ray is. In the distance with nodding approval. With nodding approval from Luke Literally and Leia. Buddy Rydell vibes of Luke just like nodding real slowly. <laughs> for anyone who's seen Anchor Management... Mark Hamill is literally emulating Jack Nicholson, <laughs> just nodding. Just giving the creepy nod. See, my mind goes to the end of Happy Gilmore with Abraham Lincoln and the alligator in the clouds, you know, and they're just kind of like waving. Like <laughs> at this point, it's like ridiculous. So uh, the old woman asks who Ray is, and nodding with nodding approval from Luke and Leia, Ray pronounces herself Ray, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> looking out to the binary sunset the music swells the end um a real quick moment i like slammed the door (laughs) of the fucking theater and i literally shouted to the next audience this is horseshit i think of peter griffin when he's in the movie and i don't remember what he's watching and he just holds up throws up his hands he goes done and he gets up and he leaves um (laughs) i don't know if it's you You know what I'm talking about, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's too good. That's spot on. Done. And he leaves. Um, I don't know if it was you who sent me the video when (laughs) there was a video that was on the internet of these girls. I did send you that. There's a video online of these girls watching this movie in the theater and they're they're treating it like the room at this point. Like they may as well be throwing spoons at the screen. And they're sitting there and it's building the binary sunset. And then the ghosts show up and they're like, these girls are so obnoxious. They're screaming, they're like shutting no. Bring back Ben. You killed Ben, you fuck, whatever. And then it's like it's like Ray. It's like Skywalker, and the place erupts. Like no, like it's like they're they're just so upset. And I'm Someone like, shouts, "This is bullshit. This is bullshit." So, and it, internally, I'm like, "This is exactly how I felt," but I've just b- bottled it up. And these these people have not contained. They have contained their rage for as long as they can, but they are tethered and they know no bounds. That was exactly how I was gonna start my final remarks with that line. Be gone with you. Be gone. I can't. Let's just get to the category, the awards before we 
cover. I don't have a cannon corner this dude, week, guys, dude. because uh, like here's the thing. <laughs> what can you it's say? Not about, it's not even about my disrespect about the movie. It's like there's nothing to talk about because they don't really have anything after this, and they don't really have anything before this either. Between episode eight and nine, there's not much. And between ep- and after episode nine, they no longer want to touch with a ten foot pole. There's no cannon corner. There's awards. Let's just blow through them. Most iconic moment, clunkiest dialogue. John Williams award, best creature slash droid design, standout character, best use of the force. I don't even know where to begin with these awards. I'll, I'll just start okay. the iconic moment. Now, for better or for worse, this is the most iconic moment because this is the moment that just has become so enmeshed with this movie when i think of this movie this is the scene i think of when ray proclaims herself as a skywalker (laughs) iconic is a very loose term you know i'm i didn't say it was a good iconic moment but to me it is the most iconic moment because nothing else in this movie like even like remotely remotely is close to rememberable like i mine was when it was over I it's like it's kind of like started being put out of my misery it's like kind of like as soon as the music swells i'm like ah the final credits please let me be um there, what can be said the harrison ford cameo um oh, I, I liked God. adam driver's shrug that was good like you know adam driver's the shrug, shrug was, was good. good i'll um, give him credit he but this oh he did a the, lot. Act, the actors put their the all actors get the movie. actors all gave it their all Anyway, right. um, let's just keep going fault. here. Go um, I'll I'll just take take um, I'll just take this one away. Uh, clunkiest dialogue. I just had to go with the last line. I think it's really like there's too much bullshit dialogue that like I can't focus and go. What's clunky? It's all. Oh, I know exactly. I mean, I wanted to write the entire script, but to me, <laughs> the clunkiest dialogue is when Poe announces to the Resistance base that Palpatine has returned, and not a single person. Oh, that's really funny. Questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that this could be possible. Everyone gasps. Anyone gasps and it's like, oh, oh my god. But <laughs> then there's the kicker of like, what's his face from Lost, and it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, Sith alchemy, Sith magic. It's like, are you shitting me right now? I'm, the I world wish- of Star Wars that has been established. Okay, it's that. People don't even remember the Jedi. You're telling me people now openly know what the Sith are. <laughs> Let alone their alchemy and their There's, abilities. There are so many problems. I just imagine what? that that moment where Poe's like, like Palpatine's back, and everyone's like, <gasps> the cast, and they just hear someone in the back like, who? And it's like, you know, Palpatine, you know. And then there's just like one random character who's like dressed in like whatever garb that they're all like to match the the scene. He's like, hang on, hang on. Are we really not going to talk about this right now? This is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. And they're like, no, 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 he's back. We can't talk about it. That's what I'm saying. Like. Not a single person questions it. Everyone just like is like, oh, he's a Sith. It makes sense. That's like some secret, top secret shit. When Palpatine was emperor, maybe, maybe three people knew. Maybe. <laughs> Masamita, Darth Vader, and like, I think that's basically it. Tarkin had his suspicions, but he didn't affirmatively know. Outrageous. But for the galaxy to just openly know, <laughs> part of the fun of like the Mandalorian is the fact that like no one knows what a Jedi is. 
It's cool. It's you know, it's uh, it's very cryptic. It's um, it's very it's very it creates a, a mystic um, like a mythology, a, a very mysterious mythology behind it because the audience knows, but because a lot of the characters don't, you're kind of like doing a lot of dancing around the good stuff because it's creating good new storytelling. Yeah. This is the opposite. So whatever, that's my pick. John Williams Award. <laughs> is it your turn or my turn? You start. Okay. Uh, listen, I want to. I want to make a note about John Williams, but I'll make you. St- I'll let you start first. Other than him dying in this movie, <laughs> um, I will say, none of it, it's the same thing with the prequels. None of the problems with this movie lie with him. However, I will say, this is probably like one of the least memorable of the Star Wars. Uh, albums i was actually listening to it yesterday trying to like gauge what my favorite music would be and it's not that any of it is bad it's just none of it is like you know the 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 award i'm gonna give it to is when you're on exegol the music in palpatine's throne room specifically the chant Mm -hmm. but oh yeah yeah because that one is like kind of cool but you know that's my pick i don't know if it's because of how much sensory overload this movie does to me but like the piece of music that if you look up the soundtrack called rise of skywalker Mm -hmm. i don't actually remember where it appears in the movie i don't remember that's how much that's how much this movie does is throwing at me like the fact that i can't pay attention or be moved by music the music says that the movie's doing quite a hefty job at something but i will say john williams back must be hurting for carrying all of Star Wars on his, you know, <laughs> carrying all of, he must be hurting for carrying all of Star Wars on his back in terms of like, like you said, like those soundtracks never been the problem. That piece though, the rise of Skywalker, I listened to it again this morning. It almost like has like ET vibes to it. It's like really good. If you listen to it, it's like a three, four minute piece, but um, the only really serious note I can make about this, these awards is that uh, John Williams has always you know, and he said he's not going to do any more Star Wars after this. He's, you know, going out, whatever. He's not, you know, so for him to put in the effort he does, regardless of the movie's qualities. But he's coming back for Indiana Jones. That's, yeah, well, his <laughs> uh, he's phenomenal. The way that he's just kept his style. He's so good. So anyway, but the piece is called Rise of Skywalker. Don't know it appears in the movie. Okay. Um, Best creature slash droid design have to go with Babu Frick. Took Amazing. seven seven puppeteers, and apparently the puppet's only nine inches. Um, it's such a cool little character, and like many things in this movie, it's something where the potential is wasted. But it's a cool little memorable design. We talked a lot about puppetry in the sequel trilogy and how uh, animatronics, and they brought that back. Babu Frick was a small moment, and then I'm like, oh, this is cool, and then it was then it was gone. Yeah, he's also my answer for standout character. No, <laughs> <laughs> he was. That was gonna be mine. Uh, I, in all reality, the standout character can only go to one person, and that is Palpatine because he just sticks out like a sore thumb throughout the whole movie. We can talk about him later because I still want to save like the big Palpatine conversation for later. But like, he stands out because it's like you shouldn't be here. <laughs> but. <laughs> I so like That's my, my sta- like my standout character is Ray only because that well for one Daisy really is just like I like many of the actors just giving a hundred and ten percent even when the screenwriters and everyone else is kind of like ah whatever you know and everyone like, else has failed her ever yeah but um and only because like like I said I'm trying to 
I, I'm trying to be diplomatic about where I give out the characters. I'm trying not to like say, like, why, who would this movie belong to? Last one I gave to Luke because I didn't give any to Luke in the original trilogy. So Ray is kind of like, okay, you here's your bone. It's like when the Oscars gave Scorsese the Oscar uh, for the Departed. Uh, Departed, and you're like, okay, whatever, you know, you're you've you've earned this. But um, it's funny to look at Palpatine as a standout character because you're literally like, why? <laughs> Why are you here? You're standing so, out in the wrong way. <laughs> you stand out in a bad way, my guy. And you have earned awards for the standout character for prior films. So in the right um, way. <laughs> <laughs> but then we have best use of the force, and I am not going to give it to force healing. So I'm going to say, when <laughs> the sure? de- I'm going to say when the dead Jedi communicate with Ray in the end. Rumor has it they wanted to actually bring the actors back, which would have been, you know, at that point, it's like if you're going to throw everything at the wall to see what sticks, like why not just like pay the extra money, get them to come back anyway. But the way that they communicate, I thought it was cool, but they actually had voice actors. They had the actors come back to do voices, whatever. That's it. That's, that's my pick for that. Uh, Yeah. I went with the general concept of a dyad in the force. I feel like they set that up in the last Jedi and JJ just like put steroids in it. But the concept of two force users being inextricably connected is just very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess let's just jump into final thoughts. Josh, why don't you start? Uh, Steven, what can really be said? That let's start been, with, hasn't been let's said start already. With where we left off, where, where we left off two minutes ago. Let's start with the Palpatine conversation. Tell me. Did you, um, did you think he should have been back? I think... The Dark Lord is back. This is... So what I said about last week about The Last Jedi being like the end of the story for me, this just solidifies it because... And I'll just... I will keep this this short. short is But in bringing Palpatine back and by doing it as haphazardly and shoddily as they did with so little care and so little effort... Is a is like a for me like a metaphor and representation for how this whole movie was treated. You're tacking on something that represents the past, that is uh, something that will be recognized by all fans to be thrown thrown at us to rope people in, and you're just kind of digging up things that prior movies did. And Palpatine's a mere manifestation of the past coming back to kind of just really ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't put into words how frustrating it is. And it, it makes me sad that, and I'll just, cause this is a good like final note about how I feel about it. And then I'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll segue to you, but it's, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's further proof that Disney never had confidence in them telling in the, in the sequel trilogy, telling an original s- story. They never had the, they never, whoever's decision it was, Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, like they clearly did not believe in the ability for them to tell original stories in the sequel trilogy, which undermines everything we talked about last week in how positive the Je- Last Jedi was pushing the franchise, it seemed. Um, so with Palpatine, it's a, like I said, it's like a metaphor for me. It's a metaphor for the ugliness of the, of the past coming back. <laughs> Palpatine, from the last we've learned this palpatine is a franchise building villain you build a trilogy on his power you don't bring him back with one single line in an opening crawl 
You know, you didn't get to Palpatine's unlimited power until Revenge of the Sith. You didn't get to Palpatine's power until Return of the Jedi, but you heard about him. You understood who he, like, the power he had. Okay, here you're just, like, thrown into it. There's no build to him. And it's just, like, you can clearly tell that they had no idea what to do. And that is the most frustrating part about this movie. Ryan Johnson left the next director with like the most wide open range that possibly any Star Wars creator could have possibly had. You could absolutely, you You could have done anything. Anywhere, like literally anywhere. And where did you do, where did you go? You boomeranged back into the arms of the familiar. This movie feels like J.J. Abrams just read all the fan fiction he could have found online and stitched it together as a script. There's yeah. so many plot points and so many just, well, there are so many plot points in general. There's so many plot devices that pay off instantaneously. And it just all accumulates into a fast paced jumble of nothing burger. It's a lot. It's too much. It's really a lot. And I think what's, what's, and I, to make personal is I think this movie is detriment. And we alluded to this in the very beginning, talking about how we saw it in the theater, but it's almost like detrimental to fans because it's like it, for me, it, it insults my intelligence as a star Wars fan, because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're making me go my, and this was my big key thought that I had is, is, is reflecting on it is like, you're making me go, well, now I don't know what I, I don't even know what I love about Star Wars in the first place. You've made me question everything that I thought that I was invested in this franchise. Well, like when I for the first <clears throat> time, sorry to cut you off. No, no, yeah. For the first time, you were blatantly showed that the people who make Star Wars don't even understand it. Of a hundred percent, and that's and why that's the problem. Yeah. Right. That's part of why, like, for me, like the la- I said, The Last Jedi feels like such a solid ending, not just because of how I feel that the story organically does that, but because this does, like, this is the only, and I, you know, not to tease our rankings overall, but this is the only Star Wars movie. And I'm talking, like, in leagues with the prequels and Solo of a movie that literally feels like you can watching it as the final result of filmmakers rushing things together versus like suspending my disbelief that this is just a star Wars story, because even the worst star Wars movies, if you want to say it's any of the pre, if you want to say it's, you know, Phantom Menace or whether you want to say it's attack of the clones or whatever it is, you're at least still buying into the fact that like, this may not be a star Wars movie I like, but at least I can believe that this is a story that happened where this it's not even, I literally don't believe what I'm watching. Like it just feels like actors saying lines. It feels like screenwriters quickly writing scenes. And I'm like, I'm not in for the for almost the first time in 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 watching any Star Wars fandom shows, movies, whatever. I'm like, I just I don't believe this is a real story. I can't there I can't are take no this stakes right at all. <laughs> you have shown continuously throughout this entire movie. That there are no stakes. You're th- none. You're thrown something only to show. Oh, okay, Chewie's still alive. Oh, okay, Palpatine's still alive. Oh, okay, C three PO could get his memory back. Like, how am I supposed to know that this time Palpatine is really dead? Like, I don't. Yeah. You've shown me that <laughs> he could still be around. Yeah. So the, the, 
<laughs> the word I used is or, while we were going through the plot breakdown is it's disrespectful. As we've said in the past, so disrespectful. It's That's how disrespectful this feels. To everything just that has come prior because we you know we made a joke about it earlier but in reality if palpatine is back then anakin's entire arc was moot yeah it undoes everything if he didn't bring balance to the force like that then then what's this all been about man right this (laughs) this undercuts vader's sacrifice it undercuts anakin's entire journey it undercuts everything we've we've said throughout that this undercuts so much of what fans already know like you said even from easter eggs and like plot details from prior films it's like or prior canon it's like you're just you're it's like literally like you said digging up fandom and stitching it together and being like oh here's a thing here's an easter egg for fans but like you're not doing anything with it you're just putting it on the screen in hopes that people will get excited about it it's almost stitching together uh plot points from fans of from Twitter. You're not even stitching together ideas from actual fans who know things because again, right. there's so many points in this movie that undermine Star Wars. They undermine yeah. precedents that have been set, characters that could have been utilized, characters that were utilized. Like things were just completely mismanaged from the beginning and this movie also proves that you need a plan for a franchise. Need it. Like, you need it. George Lucas knew that his entire franchise, both of them, he knew exactly where they were going. Maybe yeah. not, like maybe he didn't know that Vader was going to be his father, but he knew that it was going to end one particular way. In ep- episode three, he knew exactly where it was going. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, again, like I don't mean to put this added pressure on it, but you have to compete with Marvel, who is also owned by Disney. Mm. And Marvel has perfected the craft of franchise building they have like literally the gold medal that they're the platinum star for that because they can put out a bullshit movie but as long as there's like 10 minutes worth of connection and 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 easter eggs and nuggets that will connect to the next movie that's all that's going to matter you know what i mean it doesn't really matter marvel got to a point where like by phase three it didn't matter watching ant-man and the wasp as long as you got to the point that you saw the snap and that like oh this is the connection it doesn't matter what your movie if your movie is good or bad because you're you're franchise building in a way that 100 percent of the audience who's been watching will know where it's going and it's the opposite here um this like i had said earlier like i alluded to it being a response to negative well negative criticisms towards the last jedi a lot i remember like er, reading early reviews and it's like well anyone who liked force awakens and hated last jedi may be satisfied by this movie and i'm like that was immediately a red flag for me not because i just because i like i'm a fan of the last jedi but because you're just reverting back to safety you're going back to your safe choices and going like okay well uh we, we thought we wanted to push fans in a new direction they clearly don't want that so let's give them more of the old and that just backfired i Um, don't take offense to the fact that jj didn't like the last jedi like okay you didn't like it but you can't deny that it happened and this movie feels like he's just trying to sweep it so far under the rug by making 
two movies in one because that's what this movie is oh my god two it's, movies in one it's, it's smushed together it's four movies in one it's it's just too it's too like i said by the time you get to that point where ray kills kylo ren then heals him and harrison Ford comes back and force ghost luke you know tells ray uh, you know stuff it's like at that point it's just like we're not even in the final act and it's already tiresome and it's, we're, you know, we don't have to run around circles based on the, the whole breakdown we just did. But it gets, it's gotten to a point where it's like, I feel cheated out of being a Star Wars fan because I know there's so much mythology. So when I tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm a Star Wars fan. It's kind of like, okay. And it's like this whole notion of like, Star Wars has been lumped in so much with negativity from this, from the sequel trilogy. And so much of it is like, yes, like I have my things my high points that i like with the sequel trilogy but at the end of the day there's endless mythology in star wars that is completely thrown away with this movie and i'll be honest and i i want to be fair you know as someone who does love the last jedi i have to tell you like my love for star wars kind of was strained prior to this movie coming out right because all i had heard not from you, of course, but from everyone else is like, oh, how could you like that movie? <laughs> and, you know, I feel like I became like a recluse Star Wars. Like I became like Luke, you know, like I ran away from Star Wars because I just didn't want to have the conversation. You were saying that last week. Yeah, because I, there was just no point. Like, I'm not going to change anyone who didn't like its mind. They've been brainwashed into not being able to think. So, and if, you know, but I've met a couple people who didn't like The Last Jedi and didn't like this movie either. Right. So I respect that more. If you just right. didn't like the sequels in general, okay, cool. You yeah, can't yeah. tell me that this is a good movie. You just, regardless of Star Wars or not, it is just not a good movie. No, even if, even completely Star Wars stripped away. And that's why I was saying as a fan, it, it feels personal. But as a, even as a movie, if you were to just walk into this not knowing the context, good luck, first of all. But also, like, it's just not well stitched together at all. It's not well produced. It's not well written. Um, I think that at the end of the day, you could, if you were to just give a kind of a breezy answer in a positive way, like, to be fair, you could say, oh, the way the sequel trilogy was going, it's a decent ending to the trilogy. But overall... When you're looking at this as Star Wars from a whole, because the whole thing is like, this is the Skywalker saga. It's good. And they built up saying, oh, this is going to wrap up everything out of nine movies. This is going to wrap, pull it all together. And like, you never, not only do you never feel like it doesn't wrap up everything from, from Phantom Menace, but you just feel like it's just taking hi Palpatine highlights. and came back because Palpatine is the connection between all nine movies. Right. You're not actually doing anything from the prequels. You're not doing anything from the original trilogy. You're just taking snippets and highlights and you're using Palpatine as the string that's threading it all together, if you will. Yeah, but a string that was cut three movies ago. It's and like, we, we don't need it. But the cycle continues. You all, you all got the idea. The only thing I'll say, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and be nice to this movie. I will say the pacing is not terrible. It always, it, there's always a visual feast on the screen. It makes it does fly by. It really makes you like uh, it. Just the time cr cruises, you know. It's just really. It's just. But to be invested, it's just. Oh my god! Yeah. And I mean, like, like you said, to be fair, is like, you know, Billy D. Williams came back, and you know, he's fun to watch, and 
Ian McDermott, even though you're frustrated with Palpatine coming back, you know, he chews up the scenery. Like, and like we said, like the acting isn't the problem. The soundtrack isn't the problem. There's great things going on, but, and the production design, the visuals, like we talked about all of it, but it's like, it's just, it it's, starts it's, at the, it starts at the screenplay and the screenplay just like rotted everything around it. It, it the, you know, it starts and ends with JJ Abrams. I'll, I'm sorry. I have to blame him for this one completely. And even Kathleen Kennedy, I have to blame too. Yeah. Well, this you, felt like a, yeah. You should have been more ballsy and said, you didn't like the last Jedi. Okay. Well, fuck you. Like you don't, you didn't, we didn't finish our trilogy yet. See the way that we're going to play, play the next one. Instead you cowered and said, Oh, okay. We got to completely change direction here. You should lean into it. That's what the Snyder verse taught us. Okay when the uh, batman versus superman the extended edition came out everyone changed their mind about that movie <laughs> yeah and then it like pushed for a demand to see the snyder cut of the justice league because mm-hmm. it finished up the story that was being built to and that's yeah and here that didn't get to happen instead mid-course you you, you did what uh, warner brothers did and made a justice league movie that no one cared or liked and it's the same, but... same screenwriter, Chris Dario. Oh, boy. I see the pattern. <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing a pattern here. Um, but you're, that's a phenomenal point because, like I said, watching this feels like – it's funny you bring up J.J. and Kathleen because it's like watching this movie. Like I said, it's the only Star Wars movie I watch where I'm like, I'm not invested in this as a suspension of disbelief. I'm watching this – as a as as filmmakers scrambling together to make a movie like i if this whole movie feels like a bad business move it feels like they're sitting there and jj's not invested kathleen kennedy's not invested no one is invested but they go basically the studio is like we need to put this movie out in two years and it needs to happen in in some way or another so it's almost like they're like listen we can't give fans the new stuff we can't really give them more of the old like uh, you know we can't give them more of the old stuff but maybe if we give them like really like classic old stuff like maybe they'll They'll come out of there the woodwork. There are only two groups of people I've met who like this movie. Cat, like people who like watch Star Wars movies but don't actually care. You know, sure. I, a casual fan will like this movie. And the second group are people who despise The Last Jedi so much that they've talked themselves into liking this movie. Right. It's in the- <laughs> because it's just like a fuck, it's another fuck you to The Last Jedi. Yeah. So. I, and that's why I've grown tired of talking about the sequel trilogy. And that I is can't why even. I am so like happy we have Dave Filoni in this universe because he can continue to churn out media like The Mandalorian and Clone Wars and now The Bad Batch to keep me and other Star Wars fans talking about anything other than the sequel franchise. I don't know Jason Manzoukas' quote where he was like, Dave Filoni is, you know, single-handedly, you know, saving Star Wars, you know, or he's single-handedly like, eh, you know, keeping together what Star Wars is or what it should be, like, you know. Um, he is. I The Bad Batch is actually pretty good so far. I heard it's great. Yeah, you got to watch The Clone Wars to watch The Bad Batch, though. Yeah, I will. We'll, uh, well, not, we'll, not really. If you wanted to jump into The Bad Batch, you can. But I, 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 like, I, like, I, I like chronological. Oh, I mean, I've heard nothing but phenomenal things. Yeah, well, um, from, you know, The Clone Wars, I, I will say a couple, the first, like, two seasons are a little rough. You have to pick and choose your arcs correctly. Well, once, but, it, gets, once it gets going and realizes once it gets what it going, is. It's like, 
Whoa. That's when I've you heard, get to yeah. the last season or the last four episodes of that show, you're like, holy. I heard, I heard they did it right. I heard they did it well. So good. That's All awesome. Right. All right. So, so um, uh, let's go into pick of the week. And I guess I can start. And I think I just talked myself into giving a pick of the week. I'm going to say, watch the last four episodes of the Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. They are phenomenal. And they show you that, like, good Star Wars is not truly dead. It's still out there. You can find it in even the uh, most animation of places. It, 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 they're so good i think that a casual fan not casual fan but uh if you want to get into clone wars you can watch those episodes to see where it's going and you will just be like holy shit how do we get here so you know maybe give it a look i don't know um i'll but give pretty good pretty good so the only so what i'll do is i'm i'm gonna give not a recommendation but like a, a comparison like a pick of the week so it's like um there were a bunch of movies that I was trying to think of how I, I always try and gauge my feelings when watching. I'm like, what else does this remind me of? And <laughs> I'm trying to think. So I had, I had already mentioned another, uh, you know, X-Men related movie and doing this star Wars, you know, our, sh- our show, but I couldn't help but think of um, X-Men apocalypse. <laughs> another Oscar Isaac movie. Because of the way it took, old mythology new mythology blended it together so well and then you see this one kind of like movie you're like how did you undo this all so fast and that was the movie that kind of broke me for x-men i'm like just be done with it already just be done with it be gone be yeah. gone with you um but yeah, as that far movie as was also like that well no because i think logan came out after that but that logan was kind of like joker where it you knew from the trailer that it was going to be something completely different right than like but that's the, the that's the feeling I had in terms of like being invested in an old trilogy despite its flaws and being invested in a, a new or a new franchise, I should say, and then seeing where it was going. And I'm like, this is cool. Like you have me roped in. How are you going to end it? Even though I'm skeptical. And then they do that movie and I'm like, holy shit. Like you, this is really, this, this is really, really, uh, really ter- terrible. Um, as far as a, a, a genuine pick of the week, I don't know if I mentioned it is, um, is also uh, Super 8. Okay. In terms of a J.J. Abrams, you know, nostalgic romp, it's kind of been overshadowed by Stranger Things, which took a very similar concept of kids in the 80s riding bikes and chasing monsters. Well, and, uh, Stranger Things is just better overall. But... Right. But I will say, as far as J.J. Abrams, who's got great storytelling abilities, um, you know, he's the, the, the whole mystery box concept. Um, did he? I don't know if he did. No, I don't know if he directed Cloverfield because that's another one. That's a no, that's all he didn't, part of it. But um, I think he was a producer on it. Well, he but was definitely backing it. That's Matt, Matt Reeves. That, yeah, that's the thing about JJ though. It's like from the moment he was announced, I was skeptical. I'll be honest because he's always been a finisher. He's not a starter. I mean, he is a starter. He's, a starter. he's not a he's finisher. A star- he, he's car. great at setting things up, but he has never been able to close any of his franchises in like a satisfactorily way. He's great. He's a great pitch man. He's great at going, I'm going to get every, like you said, like you said in our Force Wiggins talk, he's franchise Viagra. He's great at going, here it is. This is going to do it. This is going to be, this is what's going to get everyone on board. But now to keep them there to, and to send them off, it's not easy to do. 
Uh, I, I will say, like we said, we're not going to harp on what could have been, but I would love to have seen like Dave Filoni take on the sequel trilogy. I think we would be looking at a whole different slew of movies. I would love for almost anyone to have done it. <laughs> uh, but hey, too late now. We'll do our wrap-up show. When we do our wrap-up show next week, we'll we'll break down everything about our feelings about all of this. But yeah, this is a lot. We'll make our list of our top I guess there are 11 we'll our, Star Wars we'll, movies, we'll, but we'll do our rankings and we'll then do our rankings. It'll be fun. We'll do our awards. We'll do the final discussion. We'll do it all. We'll do a big send off. All right. Until then, where can the people find you on the interwebs, Josh? The uh, people on the interwebbies can find me on uh, Letterboxd. It's under Beesh, exactly as it sounds. B-E-E-S-H. Um, Stephen, where can they find you? You can find me on Letterboxd and uh, Instagram at Mr. Filmart, and you can. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Who's Filmography. Hey, how about that show? How about so, Instagram? So we will see you next week.